Hey everyone, it's Steve Glenn from Experience Milwaukee. Excited to share this episode, the first uh, in a series of episodes on startups in Milwaukee, or really in Wisconsin in this case, um, as part of our partnership with Startup Milwaukee, brought to you by Advocate Aurora Health. Um, in this episode, Matt Cordio, who's the founder of Startup Milwaukee, sits down with Kurt Hakenin, CEO of Montage, and you'll learn a lot more about uh, what Montage does and how they do it. Um, but really, uh, we get great perspective on not only why Wisconsin for a tech startup, but how to start, how to get investment, how to scale um, from the very early stages of finding that first customer and piloting through the learning process all the way to what Kurt really shares as um, his philosophy on running a company, which uh, based on the, the feedback, this was a, a, an episode recorded live at Transfer Pizzeria Cafe earlier this week. And uh, the feedback, live feedback on social was just tremendous uh, on the insights and perspective that Kurt shared. Um, just one little disclaimer, Matt Matt is really sick in this episode, but he powers through, and uh, it, it's really a, a lot of great learning here. Um, and if you're an entrepreneur considering Wisconsin, considering Milwaukee, considering Madison, or any other of our great uh, cities uh, here, you definitely want to listen to this one. And now, Black Belt Theater. Good that we're recording. And so um, Kurt and I are going to have a discussion like we would on a podcast, but then we'll open up the uh, open up the floor to all of you to ask your questions of Kurt. Um, so Kurt, are you ready? I am, but I want to see if you can pronounce my last name first. I, I could blame it on the sinus infection. Yeah, there you go. Hi Kurt Heikinen. Uh, close, Heikinen, but Heikinen. I'm happy to be here. Great to be here. And Ready to go. So um, let's start by just tell me a little bit about Montage and, and what you do. Yeah, that's great. So great to be here. Uh, we're a growth-staged uh, venture capital-backed SaaS company, so software-as-a-service company. We're headquartered in Delafield, Wisconsin, uh, launched the business in 2010. Uh, our solution really uh, appeals to large enterprises who are seeking uh, a different way, a modern way to hire, um, getting out of the status quo and, and a way to really compete for talent in a, in a market where um, there are skilled workforce shortages and um, organizations are looking to differentiate. And so I know you started as a video interviewing platform, but now your solutions really expanded beyond that, right? correct? Yeah, that's right. So we did. Our heritage really is around video interviewing and we've really built out an entire uh, solution, the single solution, uh, to help organizations hire uh, any type of role within the enterprise, uh, managing any type of interview. So we predominantly uh, support the candidate experience once the candidate has applied. And if you think about the tra traditional recruiting process, uh, that process can be really slow and frustrating for candidates, and so we've really automated it in a way to help engage and optimize the experience for the modern candidate. And so what, what does your customer look like? Is it a small company, a 
big company, everything in between? Well, we've uh, developed a, a phrase at Montage called a zebra. Very simple uh, concept of a, uh, when you see a zebra, you know it by its stripes. And we've become really disciplined around our ideal client profile. For us, that's, those are organizations that employ at least 3,000 employees or more. They care about the candidate experience. They're typically hiring hundreds or thousands of individuals a year uh, across a wide range of, of positions. Um, so 100 of the Fortune 500 are clients of ours. Uh, organizations like FedEx, uh, Wells Fargo, uh, locally Johnson Controls, Northwestern, uh, uh, Northwestern Mutual. These organizations have anywhere between a half a dozen recruiters and in some instances 300 recruiters on their team. Yeah, it's just in your office and the, the logo wall is very impressive when you walk in. Yeah, thank you. So in terms of uh, partnerships, um, you just have announced a couple. Can you tell us about some of those? Yeah, so, so as we looked at our innovation, you talk about the, the platform. Think about our value proposition as better candidate experience faster or speed in hiring and smarter. So what we've really seen uh, occur over the years is this convergence of technology to help automate the process, but data and science to help inform or predict hiring outcomes. And some of the partnerships that we've recently announced are focused on bringing more data and science into the hiring workflow to help predict fit for hire. So um, you've raised a significant amount of venture capital. You're based in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, yeah I think a lot of entrepreneurs in the room probably wonder, you know, how, how much did you raise mm. and how did you do that? Mm. Because it's, it's very impressive. Yeah, thank you. So we've raised $24.7 to date. Uh, we've actually done it in a really pragmatic way. When you're building a, a SaaS company to scale, and you really need those venture capital uh, investors early on um, to really support a broader vision, invest not only in the technology, but in a global brand. And that's really where we've put capital to work uh, over the years. We've taken a, a very Midwestern approach to that, investing in sprints, so two million, four million, six, eight million at a time, earning that next uh, milestone. Um, and so very unlike being on the west coast or the east coast where 25 million actually isn't a lot. That's a single round uh, of funding. And so we have aligned ourselves with a group of uh, well-respected Midwestern investors, uh, Baird Capital being one of them who really saw the vision and the potential of the company and are willing to come alongside us. Of course, Baird wasn't involved uh, early on. And in those early days, um, it really requires uh, friends and family, those early angel investors, uh, those uh, initial VCs that uh, believe in the idea and believe in you personally and the team uh, to, to reach that, that first milestone. And sometimes that's just a, an initial product launch or, or achieving your first 10 clients. And so you've built a fairly sizable team for Montage. And, um, you know, how have you gone about doing that? Uh, you're located in Delafield, yeah. which is not necessarily the place where yeah. you would think there's a startup hub there. But. Yeah. So um, I, I think a little bit of a, a background. We see the category for what we're doing as a couple billion dollar category. 
And so while we've accomplished a lot, uh, there is so much more that we strive to accomplish. We established a legacy statement for the company years ago. We will forever transform the hiring experience. And we have a global vision to do that. So it starts with culture. Can you identify talent that aligns with a motivational fit with uh, that long-term vision or legacy in mind? And as I've met with investors, as we meet with partners, most early stage companies are talking about exit. When are you gonna exit? What's your three, three to five year thesis for exiting? Exiting is not part of our vocabulary. Fulfilling our legacy is part of that vocabulary. And so it starts with uh, building some foundational components around culture. And of course, we're in Delafield. Uh, it creates some challenges for us, but it also creates some real advantages for us. So we've got individuals in, uh, that work out of Delafield that come from the east side of Milwaukee uh, all the way to the west side of, of Madison. And of course, now we're hiring uh, across, the, uh, across the US. So in terms of um, you know, what's next for Montage, mm. you know, where do you think you will continue to see growth? Um, yeah, so let, I, I'll go back to the journey of venture capital funding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you think about the stages of investing, it starts with the early angel investors, and then you get into that VC realm. We've now had some of our VCs invested in the business for six to seven years. They, while we as a business aren't pursuing an exit, some of our VCs are pursuing an exit. Mm -hmm. So where I've been spending a significant amount of time in the last couple months is I've hired an investment banker and we are um, talking to uh, private equity firms. And if you follow that thread of how an organization is built, you go from angel to VC to private equity. And so in the last uh, three weeks, I've had 18 different meetings, uh, many of them now outside of the Midwest. Uh, I was in New York last week for three days, had 10 meetings there, and we're really looking for that next stage investor that sees the potential to go from where we are today to a $50 million business on a path to $100 million. So at top of mind for me and the leadership team is aligning with that right PE firm, that private equity firm that sees the full market potential, allowing our venture capital uh, investors to receive their exit and build the business. And so there's many ways we intend to use that capital. I'm happy to talk about it, but that's at a high level, that's at most at top of mind for me right now. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to how you built the business. Sometimes, you know, venture capital back founders can sometimes lose track or lose sight of the importance of sales. Mm. It sounds like that's been pretty core to your focus and success yeah um, you talk about having a zebra mm. uh, maybe go into a little bit more detail about selling to zebras yeah. which I believe is kind of the the formula that's you right. use and yeah. and how it's helped your company grow yeah uh, great question so that's really part of a fairly focused go-to-market strategy that we've put in place um, understanding who your target market is understanding the core problems that we solve, where we fit within the HR tech ecosystem, and then having the right uh, brand and sales model to achieve that. They're, they're, just to give you a sense for HR technology, that's 
that's a multi-billion dollar category. And, it, and there's a conference uh, every year called HR Tech, and there are hundreds of providers in HR technology. So we're not the only one, we're one of hundreds. So it's been really important for us to not only understand who our target market is and who that zebra is, but how, what is our product strategy and our brand to find our niche within that multi-billion dollar market. So early on, we focused a lot on the definition of our brand, our brand archetype. Uh, for us, that's Sage, being that knowledgeable advisor, um, knowing who we target, what are the characteristics of that zebra, refining our go-to-market model from a marketing and sales standpoint, and then really capitalizing both S's and SAS. And if one of the best compliments I've ever received from the industry, an individual came up to me actually at HR Tech, an industry analyst said, Kurt, I hear more great things about your business than anyone else, especially because you capitalize both S's and SAS, both the software and the service component, better than better than everyone, and all of those components are part of our go-to-market strategy. Yeah, and so maybe go into a little more detail about what the service component is around yeah. your business, because I think that is unique. Yeah, well, we are, I, when we lose, we don't lose to a competitor. We lose to the status quo. So we are still evangelizing a category where um, there's a lot of uh, inherent um, approaches in the recruiting process that are uh, and behaviors that are difficult to break perceptions of what candidate what the candidate experience should be recruiters holding on to um, their definition of what the recruiter role should be and so as an example um, a lot a lot of what our technology does is is automate uh, some of the process at the top of the funnel eliminating uh, phone screens automating that process through an asynchronous experience whether that's video voice or tax automating the scheduling process, and that requires change. Uh, some organizations are more ready to digitize that recruiting workflow than others. And so what we've done is we've built out a client success team that once we have um, added a new client, they are there to bring the best practices uh, alongside the technology to help organizations understand how to meet the expectations of the modern candidate. And one of the things that we've learned, even though there's just 85 of us, even FedEx, even Wells Fargo, even AB InBev need advice from us on how to modernize the recruiting process. And as we've experienced more and more success, we've, we've gained more confidence. And that client success function is so critical to come alongside the technology to help show what best practice candidate experience and recruiting workflow should look like. The other thing we did early on was make some critical decisions around uh, the business model. One of those being we don't treat training as a P&L. We bundle in unlimited training as an enabler to change and client adoption in the name of expanding uh, vision and use case and adoption to overcome some of the inherent um, change hurdles that we face. And so you, you touched on a little earlier the HR tech ecosystem. I'm guessing like all these large companies are leveraging a lot of HR tech already. Yeah, that's right. Um, they probably have HRIS mm -hmm. systems, mm -hmm. a lot of other systems out there. Um, how did you go about 
kind of differentiating yourself or yeah. have you found a neat niche that's yeah. totally not kind of recognized? Yeah, or? that's right. So if you think about uh, the typical recruiting workflow, it's oftentimes described as a funnel. Where at the top of the funnel, candidates, employers um, learn about each other. And if you go back two decades uh, with the internet and job boards, that was the first entree into candidates now learning about job opportunities uh, more readily than in the past. And if you look at the last uh, decade with LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and social media, there's an increased prevalence of employers being able to make their brand and jobs available to the, uh, to the world and candidates finding those employers. The challenge, so, so, that, so problems around employer branding and talent attraction have been solved. The problems that created is an overabundance of applicants at the top of the funnel. Now candidates apply to 30 or 40 positions at a time as opposed to three or four. And so if you're a corporate recruiter, you're managing 50 or 60 different requisitions at a time, and you're getting hundreds of applicants per requisition. You can't keep up. That's really the middle of that recruiting funnel where we found our niche. The ability to meet the candidate at that point and manage that workflow and candidate experience where innovation hasn't kept up in a way that digitizes that workflow. And there's a, there's a core platform that organizations call uh, it's called, that used, it's called an ATS, an applicant tracking system. But those applications are architected more around the job requisition workflow for the sake of compliance and, and reporting back to the EEOC as opposed to managing that candidate journey. And we really sit on top of that ATS as a core, uh, core platform. So we've been really smart about understanding where the future trends and problems are going and where we can fit. And if you think about the, 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 the transformation of work, now living in this gig economy, the amount of interviewing and job transitions are only accelerating. Individuals are starting a career today are thinking about their career as a series of 20 to 30, 20 to 30 gigs over their lifetime whether that's a permanent position or a project, as opposed to when I came out of school, I was thinking about where can I be for 25 years, what type of pension or retirement benefits might I receive, very different mindset, and that is further creating the challenge we're talking about, creating the opportunity for Montage. And so that's a great segue. Um, prior to joining Montage, um, what was your background? What made you join Montage? How did you get here? I know you started way back in the day as a yeah. computer science yeah. grad at yeah. that's right. UWM. UWM, that's right, computer science grad. Uh, grew up in Wisconsin, uh, in Wauwatosa. And I've been at the intersection of HR and technology for, I stopped counting at 25 years. So that's just about as far yeah. as we'll go. It's been a long time. I, I, my first role out of, out of college was at what used to be called Wisconsin Electric, now We Energies. I was in their IT organization, and I had the opportunity to uh, select, build, implement HR systems, payroll, benefits, um, compensation, salary planning, applications. And I had a really uh, great opportunity to join a company called PeopleSoft that some might know uh, back in 1994 and had a great seven-year stint there. Um, that's really where I grew up in software. 
and from a leadership standpoint. And that was kind of during the dot-com Well, uh, that was, actually I'll date myself, that was when uh, technology was going from mainframe to client server and then to the internet. So there's a big move to client server-based applications. Told you I was a little older than yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but people, it was a great uh, PeopleSoft. Uh, we grew the company from sub 50 million in revenue to a billion two in seven years. And I was uh, employee 400 and when I left there were 7,000. And I had the opportunity, some really meaningful roles. I had an expat assignment down in um, Asia Pac, uh, working out of Sydney. Uh, building out product for that region, then moved out to the Bay Area for about four or five years and was um, general manager of that product line and really gained a, a broader world view around um, what it means to build an enterprise level um, platform in, in HR. And so after you returned to the United States. Yeah, that's right. Did you continue in that kind of enterprise software space? Uh, I did, so we were then out in the Bay Area and um, in 1999, there were 175 companies starting up in the Bay Area a month. And so I left, it, PeopleSoft had reached a billion dollar company at that time, so I left uh, PeopleSoft, joined a, a startup company uh, as a member of their leadership team, helped take the company public, raised 45 million in an IPO, uh, s helped sell the company uh, to a business that ultimately sold to Oracle and at that time, um, I had two little ones, a uh, three-year-old girl and a one-year-old girl, and my wife and I are from Wisconsin, and we were looking for a change in lifestyle and moved back to Wisconsin. And so you spent a few years prior to joining Montage um, in kind of the tech services space. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I, there was a great opportunity it, and it was an important time in, in my life just to connect into um, the Wisconsin market and economy, uh, help build a, an IT services uh, business, uh, more in the IT staff augmentation. Learned a lot around the contingent staffing side, but my heart was pulling me back towards uh, HR tech and uh, got introduced to three founders uh, who really had the initial idea for the business came alongside them to help write the business plan, um, craft the strategy, and then came on board full-time in early 2010 to build a business. That's awesome. Yeah. And so um, you are not necessarily a founder, but you, you basically were there at the founding moment. Um, tell, give some advice on you know, growing a company here mm -hmm. in Milwaukee. What should founders be kind of aware of yeah. when they're starting up here and, and scaling? Yeah, I'll talk about a few things uh, just in terms of foundational elements of the business and then considerations from a, a funding standpoint because it's really um, important, I think, who you, who you elect to take money from and what the purpose is behind that. But before we go there, I want to go back to some what we have known to be foundational truths for the business, and it starts with culture. Really early on, uh, we focused on defining our culture. And it has served us so well in terms of who we hire and how those individuals contribute to the future success of the business. In our first 90 days, we sat down as a team, eight of us, and defined five core elements of our culture, one of those being Wolfpack. Uh, that's how we refer to ourselves. But as a founder, so much of uh, you think about those foundational elements are 
Um, who are you going to align yourself, and where do you have alignment of values and purpose? Um, so that's one area. And then I would just say be really intentional about core elements of your strategy because you can be stretched in so many different areas and, and, and the number of different ideas we heard from individuals. You could take the product here or why don't you sell to this demographic or this uh, type of client. And we experimented in those areas, but one of our strengths was identifying some core elements of our go-to-market strategy, that, some of which I shared earlier, and then remaining focused on those and truly trusting the vision and business plan that you put in place. And it wasn't always easy. There were many sleepless nights. Uh, when you're selling to the enterprise, it can be a long process, um, but it's real that, that level of discipline around establishing a vision and a go-to-market strategy and staying true to that was key. Yeah, I was going to say, selling to enterprise, often it, it's a long process. It had sometimes, too, enterprise clients want something special. Mm. You know, they want a new feature or something. Yeah. How do you go about managing those relationships? Yeah, it's um, early on we had to make some tough decisions and actually tell clients no. And that's hard to do when you have 10 clients and you have a couple months of cash in the bank. And that's a really great brand, but what they're asking you to do is inconsistent with your product strategy. And you have to have the, the, the conviction and, and the, the perseverance to look beyond that. So it's, it goes back to strategy and alignment, and then it comes back to building a true peer SaaS architecture. So we don't think of customization, we think of configurability. So you have to have a strong product management function and a strong application architecture to anticipate the requirements of the enterprise. They're asking, the, the requirements they're requesting or asking or have are legitimate. They have uniqueness and you have to, if you're gonna sell to the enterprise, you better be able to meet their uniqueness, but in a smart way. And we've been able to accomplish that through our architecture and our configurability, something I'm really proud of. We've got a, a fantastic, uh, super smart team, and if you've got the right architecture in place, you're really disciplined from a, a product management standpoint, and you focus on configurability uh, versus customization, it becomes part of that winning formula. And the last question um, I'll ask you before we open it up to the audience um, is, you've definitely intentionally de decided to build this business in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, why? Uh, yeah, so um, want, one, wanted to prove that it can be done and uh, really serve as a showcase for entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism and success here in Wisconsin. About 15 years ago, I had an opportunity to consult with a, a company, then was called Right Now Technologies and they uh, built a business to a couple hundred million and sold to Oracle. And they were headquartered in Bozeman and I had an opportunity to fly out to Bozeman a few times and meet with their CEO, uh, Greg Gianforte. And I asked him, I said, Greg, why Bozeman? Because he was an East Coast guy. And he said, because I wanted to prove it could be done. And so um, my, my roots are here, uh, my heart is here, and um, we wanted to demonstrate that great technology companies could be built in Wisconsin as well. And there are 
while there while the surrounding ecosystem we find shortages of domain knowledge or not as many uh, much access to SaaS professionals um, Wisconsin's a great place where you can find hardworking individuals that want to align around a long-term purpose and um, are willing to come alongside and, and share that vision so at, at a high level those are the drivers we're here leaving a legacy not only how we're transforming hiring um, globally but um, demonstrating that it can be done here and my uh, personally one of my outcomes is that individuals inside of the wolf pack will go on to do great things start new companies over time and and start to build and expand the ecosystem that's at work here and that's really important that's Kurt, right. thanks for joining me yeah today. you bet appreciate it thanks so much happy to be here